Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thank you, John and George and Peter. The committee, when they asked me to chair this tonight, asked me if I would close with a little sermon. I think in the light of what John has said, I don't need to do that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you a verse and I'm going to tell you a story. And the verse is from John chapter 12. And it's verse 24. Jesus is speaking. He says this, I tell you the truth. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies It remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. I want to tell you a true story. Back in 1921, a missionary couple called David and Sve Flood went with their two-year-old son from Sweden to what was then called the Belgian Congo. They met up with another young Scandinavian couple, the Ericsons, and the four of them sought God for direction in their life. And after much prayer and seeking after God, they felt led of the Lord to set out from the the main mission station and take the gospel to an unreached people living in a remote village. When they eventually reached the village, the chief of the village wouldn't allow them in. He didn't want them alienating local gods. And so the two couples opted to go half a mile up the mountain and build their own huts and live there. And there they prayed for a spiritual breakthrough, but none came. The only contact they had with the village was a young boy who was allowed to come and sell them chickens and eggs twice a week. And Svei Flood was a a tiny woman, but she decided that if this was the only African she could talk to, that she would try and lead this boy to Jesus. And eventually she did the young boy eventually came to know the Lord. But there were no other encouragements. And meanwhile, malaria continued to strike one member of the little group after another. In time, the Ericsons decided they had had enough, and they returned to the, to the central mission station. David and Sway Flood were now very much on their own. And then, of all things, Sway found herself expecting a baby out here in the, the middle of nowhere. And when the time came for her to give birth, the village chief softened enough to allow a a, a midwife to help her, and a little girl was born, whom they named Ina. However, Sway herself was already weak from malaria. The birth exhausted her, and within 17 days, she died. And at that moment, something inside David Flood snapped. He dug a crude grave. He buried his 27-year-old wife, and then he took his young son and the baby back down the mountain to the mission station, giving his newborn daughter to the Ericsons. He said, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife, and obviously I can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life. And with that, he headed for the port, rejecting not only his calling, but God himself. Within eight months, both of the Ericsons were stricken with a mysterious disease and died within days of each other. 
the baby was passed over to some American missionaries who adjusted her Swedish name to Aggie, and eventually they brought her back with them in furlough to the United States two years later. They loved the little girl, and they were afraid that if they tried to return to Africa, some legal obstacle might separate her from them. And so they decided to stay in America and switch from missionary work to pastoral ministry. And that's how Aggie grew up in South Dakota. As a young woman, she attended the North Central Bible College in Minneapolis, and then she met and married a young man named Dewey Hurst. The years passed, and the Hursts enjoyed a fruitful ministry. Aggie gave birth, first of all, to a daughter and then a son herself. And in time, her husband became president of the Christian College in the Seattle area, and Aggie was intrigued to find that there was a big Scandinavian presence there. One day, a Swedish magazine dropped through her mailbox. She had no idea who sent it, and of course, she couldn't read it. She couldn't read Swedish. But as she turned the pages, all of a sudden, a a photograph stopped her call. There, in a primitive setting, was a grave with a white cross, and on the cross were the words, Sve Flood. She jumped in her car. She went straight to the college to a faculty member whom she knew who could, who could translate the article. What does this say? She said to him. And he, he summarized the story for her. It was about missionaries who had come to the Belgian Congo long ago and told about the birth of a white baby, little girl, about the death of the young mother, the one little African boy who'd been led to Christ, and how after the Europeans had all left, The boy had grown up and finally persuaded the chief to let him build a school in the village. The article said that gradually, this boy won all his students to Christ. The children then led their parents to Christ, and even the chief became a Christian. Today, according to this article, there were 600 Christian believers in that one village, all because of the sacrifice of David and Svei Flood. But the story doesn't end there. For the Hearst's 25th wedding anniversary, the college presented them with the gift of a holiday in Sweden, Aggie's homeland that she'd never visited. And there, Aggie decided she would seek out and find her real father. He was an old man now, David Flood. He had remarried. He had fathered four more children, but he had taken to drink, and alcohol had totally ruined his life. He had recently suffered a stroke, and he was still a deeply embittered man. He had one rule in life which the family all knew and which they all observed. Never mention the name of God in my presence because God took everything from me. After an emotional reunion with her half-brothers and half-sister, Aggie brought up the subject of seeing her father, and the others hesitated. They said, well, you can talk to him. He's very low, very ill now. But you need to know that whenever he hears the name of God, he flies into a rage. Don't, under any circumstances, mention God in his hearing. Aggie wasn't to be deterred. 
she found his squalid apartment and she walked in. She approached this 73-year-old man lying on a rumpled bed. Papa, she said. And he turned and he began to cry. Inna, he said, I never meant to give you away. It's all right, Papa, she said. God took care of me. The man instantly stiffened. The tears stopped. Listen, he said, God forgot all of us. Our lives have been like this because of him. He turned his face back to the wall. And Aggie stroked his face, and then she continued, Papa, I've got a little story to tell you. And it's a true one. You didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain. The little boy you won to the Lord grew up to win the whole village to Jesus. The one seed you planted just kept growing and growing. And today there are 600 African people serving the Lord because you were faithful to the call of God in your life. Papa, Jesus loves you. He never hated you. The old man turned back to look into his daughter's eyes, his body relaxed. He began to talk. And by the end of the afternoon, he had come back to the God he had resented for so many years. Over the next few days, father and daughter enjoyed many warm, precious moments together. But Aggie and her husband had to return to America. And within weeks, David Flood had gone into eternity. But the story's not over yet. A few years later, the Hursts were attending an evangelism conference in London when a report was given from the nation of Zaire, the former Belgian Congo. The superintendent of the National Church, representing 110,000 baptized believers, spoke eloquently of the spread of the gospel among his people. And afterwards, Eggy couldn't help going up and asking him if he had ever heard of David and Sway Flood. Yes, madam, the man replied in French through a translator. It was Sway Flood who led me to Jesus Christ. I was the boy who brought food to your parents before you were born. In fact, to this day, your mother's grave and her memory are honored among us. And then he continued, you must come to Africa to see, because your mother is the most famous person in our history. And in time, that's exactly what Aggie did. She and her husband went. They were welcomed by cheering throngs of villagers. She even met the man who had been hired by her father all those years ago to carry her back down the mountain in a hammock cradle. The most dramatic moment, of course, was when the pastor escorted Aggie to see the mother's white cross for herself, and she knelt in the African soil to pray and give thanks to God. And later that day, the pastor read from John 12, 24. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. And he then followed with Psalm 126, verse 5, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. You see, what I'm saying to you is that we have so much to learn. 
It's not skill or ability or talent or gifting that we need to be used by God. It's not a great education. Get one if you've offered it. It's not a great education. It's not a certificate from a Bible college. It's something far more precious than any of those, something much more difficult. The resolve to die to self that Christ might blossom and his gospel bear fruit. You prepare to do that? Are you prepared to give yourself completely to God? Jesus, take me as I am. I can come no other way. Take me deeper into you. Let my flesh life melt away. And if you're not a Christian, you may be here tonight, but you're not a Christian. Jesus calls you to come and die. Die to everything and everyone, only him, so that you might produce much fruit to his glory and of everlasting life. We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.